one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right, shall we? Let's do it. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, with the caveat we take it very seriously this week. Yes. Uh, I'm Tim in the Rugby Dungeon with JB. Hello Tim. With trainers on. Oh yeah. Wow. Best kick these off for uh, (laughs) the best broadcasting possible. There you go. Bare feet now. There you go. Socks, socks. And uh, we are joined down the line by Philip, who is in a... Secret remote location. Where, where is the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, Phil? So, so normally, normally when I'm not there, I am preparing my nuclear bunker for the end of the world. But, but this time, I've been roped into one of the most middle class experiences I've ever had, and I've and I've had a few as you both. <laughs> and you, you used to live in Chalton. Yep. I did. I did, and now I now I live in the uh, grammar school ridden uh, South Manchester or, or North Cheshire suburb of Sale. So, middle um, class experiences are ten a penny for me. But I'm I'm having my first weekend ever in Centre Parks. And how are you finding it? Um, it is remarkably middle class. Is it? It's, it's, it's more it's middle class than say Abbasoch. I've not I've not experienced Abbasoc for a long, long time, so I I wouldn't know. I would say but it's it's uh, Abbasoc's got a little sorry Abbasoc has got a, has got a little bit more of a um, nouveau riche. Yes, it has. Yes, it's it. true. Definitely, like like good working class folk who've done very well for themselves. Own carpet warehouses, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And fair play to them. Uh, Centre Parks is much more like the cl- it's it's rug- it's basically like Harlequins. Harlequins, I was going to say on sea, but they're normally in the middle of forests, aren't yeah. they? So it's, it's the, uh, it's the, yeah, it's, it's Harlequins if they if you chucked them in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I think so. And, and it is, it's also like um, it's an oasis for um, slightly unhappy parents who are just <laughs> looking to kill a few hours with their kids being happy and through. <laughs> What, whatever money it takes to give them like half an hour of peace while little Tarquin is not screaming his or her head off. Well, can I tell you something which I heard this week and I'm intrigued by it. So I was talking to somebody. We will get onto the rugby shortly. And they were saying to me that they're about to go on a stag do. Where do you think the stag do is, stag do is heading? This- uh, Butlins. Correct. Tim. I only, only said it because it, I was thinking it has to be something related to centre parks. But Butlins do adults only weekends. Yeah, <laughs> apparently they are. They sound crazy. Yeah, apparently if you are like a, a an early forties divorcee, divorcee, you're already forties, right? Um, just, yeah, I am. Uh, if, if you're if you're in your forties and divorced, it is ah. like a place to go and just clean up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Egg Chasers live show. <laughs> yeah. Egg Chasers live in Butlins. It's on. Wow. Imagine it's on. Uh, right. Okay. So we're, we're doing two episodes um, this, again, and the reason for that is we're going to try and split the the off field and on field just to make it nice and easy to listen to, and to make sure that one doesn't bleed into the other, and it's clear. And if you want to ignore one. Or if you've lost interest in another, then that's absolutely fine. For that reason, JB might not, might not be on the rugby pod. No, I've got no interest in the rugby this week. 
So let's just let's start with a, this as a, a bit of an addendum to the midweek podcast, which Phil couldn't do. Can you just clarify what you were doing in, instead, Phil? Because JB was <laughs> JB wasn't sure. So, so I was um, in transit while you were recording. Sadly, I had almost all of last week down in London. Uh, until Thursday night when I had to come back up from London and prepare for Friday travelling to the Lake District. There you go. So I was I was in like a double transit situation of travelling and then packing and uh, not much else, not much fun, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm going to hope that, that you listened. If not, just the floor is yours, Phil. Me and JB had plenty of opportunity to, to have our say. Take us back to Thursday when you saw the news, your your initial reaction, and then what you've cogitated and thought since. So um, I've not actually listened. I've not had a chance to listen because of the, the transit and uh, the centre parksing. And it, it, it is my father-in-law's 70th this weekend, so I've been doing some of that as well um, and trying to keep the kids alive. Um, but... I've I've read everything I could read about it, including JB's excellent excellent article on Rugby Pass. Thank you, um, and and a lot of WhatsApp messages from different rugby groups, um, and and including speaking to um, some friends, colleagues, and contacts of mine who are not inside the inside rugby ball like us, who are kind of. Um, how would you describe them? They're players, but not necessarily huge fans of watching the game. Um, the kind of people who this will affect more than anyone else. And I am, I'm just so disappointed by the whole thing. I'm so, so disappointed by the way it's been kind of ill thought through the way it's been communicated, the way it will affect people who shouldn't necessarily be affected by or haven't historically been affected by the issue at hand, which is concussion in the Premiership, um, or um, certainly elite game, um, are going to be um, affected by a ruling that just doesn't seem to make sense. And so, f- I'm 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 not surprised, sadly, because it's um, we've kind of known it's coming, but also the ill-conceived, ill-thought-through. Um, changes to the game are relatively commonplace, but this just seems to be the by far the worst one. And and for someone who um, I'm obviously not playing, uh, not playing regularly now. Um, but if if I were playing regularly, this is actually a, probably a law that would would actually benefit me. Um, yes, it would because of because of um, one. I'm shorter. Um, and I took a fair few headshots, head, head, neck, shoulder shots in my time. Um, but also because I'm short or low center of gravity, this would make me this would make me even harder to tackle. Um, so, for someone who this law would actually uh, perversely kind of benefit, I'm still massively, massively against it. I think it is just it's just so badly thought through and. The communication makes it even worse. We can get onto the communication, but just develop the the, the reasons why you're you think it's it's a, a poorly conceived idea. So, um, oh, there's a few things. I, I know everyone's been talking about the kind of the two trials. So there's a trial in the um, championship level, the um, British and Irish Cup, that was abandoned partway through. Um, because it was eliciting exactly the um, opposite results it want, wanted to. And then the what some people are badging as the um, successful, um, if, if you read some people um, or listen to some people, incredibly successful um, French trial. Um, now, I'd, so I've, I've read as much as I can read about those two without um, actually having watched a full season or part season of um, both of them, and I think it'd be, it'd be fair to say that um, from those two data points, the evidence is is mixed at, at, at best. There's there's limited clear evidence, but it's is the um, is the kind of blanket approach to applying this to 
um, was it level three and below or level four and below? Um, it, uh, quote unquote amateur leagues. Yeah, uh, non national. National one. You and I both played national one, Phil, and that's that's yeah. ne- that's now amateur. That's the same as my son's under fifteen game. It's the same as yeah. Broughton Park vets. Can I just say I went to watch Sale FC versus Cambridge this weekend. Level three. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I mean, Cambridge won that game. We'll talk more about it in detail later. That's the only game I'll really talk about talk about in detail. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a world away from what I play. A world away. Now Cambridge won that game, and at the end of the game, the comment was made: "Christ, you you might be challenging for the promotion. Like, you know, do you really want that? It's tough for the championship." I'm like, "Yeah, we don't want to play children's rules in level three. <laughs> so yeah, fair enough. Mm. And so, you, so you, uh, the, the data uh, that, that's being pointed to by some as extremely successful, I think I, well, I concur with you, and that was my point on the last one, because I thought without Phil, I need to crunch some numbers. And that was the conclusion I came to. Where did which your is, data come from, Tim? Uh, of interest. That French, uh, stu- the data for the French study hasn't been published, which makes it all the more farcical that the RFU have ru- rushed this out. When, but you've done a really good like Twitter thread. Where's uh, that from? Yeah, um, I I have um, a bookmark on my computer at home about where that's from. But that was a that was a write up of the um, th- from a link on I think on the RFU's at the bottom of the RFU statement there are links. Ah. But but those so those, yeah sorry Phil go on yeah. No, I I saw the data that you referred to referenced. It was either the Times or the Telegraph referenced um, the same data set that you referenced. But yeah, I've you you struggle to find any. You, you get there's loads of anecdote on that French study or study in the loosest possible sense. There's lots of anecdote saying it was incredibly successful and it, everyone thought it was led to. Uh, fast flowing rugby and uh, fewer head injuries and fewer blue cards um, which <laughs> given the the blue cards are applied almost nowhere else it's, it's hard to get more blue cards um but there's there's very little in terms of or certainly from what i've seen and, I, and i've been looking for it um hard data um on that french um study and you'll get sent clips of or i've seen several clips of either proving it's a disaster or proving it is the saviour of rugby and everyone's going to be playing this in a few years' time and it's going to be the most delightful, perfect game with no head head injuries and offloads for days and tries for days. And I I just don't think either of those things is is true. What I do think is forcing everyone in all scenarios to tackle below the waist um, is going to cause issues. It It might lead to a small reduction in head injuries. I, I, I would, I would genuinely believe it could do, although I think it will totally change the game, the way the game is played, and is it a compromise worth having? Maybe, maybe. But what I'd like to do instead of just blanket applying it across eight tiers of leagues or whatever we're talking about from tier four through to or tier three, tier four to through to tier 10, 11, 12. I would love to see more studies in a smaller quantity applying different approaches, applying the, the waist and below, applying the sternum, uh, sternum and below. Yeah, because Ross Tucker, who's, who's someone I really, really do admire and really think is... Um, incredibly ordinarily incredibly logical and data driven he's trustworthy ordinarily ordinarily yeah yeah ordinarily trustworthy i I really do believe that and i I think he's he's so frequently so accurate and, and so on point and he he's a big proponent of this change and in his extensive and admirably extensive patreon um, write-up of the history to get to this point. And, and, and I, I really do recognise there's a huge amount of history to get to this point. He talks about the the red, amber, green. And you, you two have ob- obviously read this, um, but for anyone who hasn't, the red, amber, green is, is the, the, three ta- the traffic light system of three tackle heights with uh, looking, at, looking at data and risk of head injury, um, ignoring any other type of injury, actually. Um, but head injury and red is shoulder line and above and the 
primary reason for that is shoulder on head or head on head. You put in two heads in the same space and head on head is obviously the worst outcome because you've got a 200% likelihood of um, concussion or certainly head injury. Um, then interestingly, the amber position is waist and below and waist and below is not bad but because you've got knees and hips in that situation which are both very hard and moving at high pace that is the amber situation and the green situation is kind of above the waist but below the line of the shoulder or below the line of the sternum that's the the sweet spot for want of a better word and just to but, add to your ordinarily <clears throat> ross tucker is uh, an, a, a very um is on the money mm. he he very, very unusually for him was making quite um, definitive statements about, for example, this French study when the, the the data doesn't support that perspective. And I think at other times and with with other things, he 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 even said more needs to, more. I'd actually prefer more testing of this and more trialing of this. Yeah, and Ross. He he may well have seen more data than I have. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he have has even if he's not seen all the days i'm sure he's seen more than me but from what i've seen it it is insufficient to be making the the judgment calls for what will be i don't know jb you might have thought about the numbers but if we've got eight tiers each with plus 10 teams oh maybe maybe closer to 20 teams in some of them yeah um, and multiple of those tiers are split into minimum of four regions like northeast north um northeast northwest southeast southwest and then you you split to london and then you split to midlands and all the rest of it so you're talking about thousands of players in in england being affected by this oh, they'll, they'll just uh, go walk away and the, and the reason this uh, mentioning this data we can get on to the to the, to the other stuff now but the reason this is important is because and i think maybe this might be the place to move on to phil's already mentioned it and I've certainly, and I think JB, you, this is where your mind has gone since our last podcast in the way that this was conducted and the the process by which this decision was made. And that the data that you're referring to, and this, this, we don't know what the we don't know what these RFU counsellors were shown. Yeah, we do. Uh, but but they, well, they were shown an eight minute video. Yeah, yeah. Or, or an eight minute presentation. Sorry, by yeah. someone Simon Kemp. Kemp. Simon Kemp. So Simon it. Kemp is a name you need to remember. Simon Kemp is on my list now of people that absolutely have to be removed from the game, surgically removed from the game. <laughs> so Simon Kemp is up there. Bill Sweeney. Bill Sweeney is needs to go ASAP. Po- possibly your local RFU councillor. Uh, I would say a lot of them are going to be going very shortly. So I know of four, currently four votes of no confidence um, going through against councillors. Now, I'm not even sure you can do a vote of no confidence. So, tomorrow there's going to be a lot of meetings in um, you know, various areas where you have a councillor, various counties all get together, and they will be looking to see if there is a mechanism to do it. Well, l- l- can I just, can we come back to that? So, l- let's just, what, since our last podcast, which you can go back and listen to, I, I've never, I, I've never looked at Broughton Parks, the club I'm a, currently a member of, uh, but even when I was with Manchester or Newbury, I, I never looked at the constitution. I never considered who my who my councillor that represents me and my club was. Yep. I'm very, very much more aware of that now, as thousands and thousands of rugby fans are. So the process by which this happened are that, I think, 60-some-odd some RFU councillors, which are representative of the counties, but also some of the armed forces and some that are in, mm. invited, people like John Inverdale and Maggie Alfonsi are invited to be councillors. Yep. They were all there in the room. Um, they, were, they didn't do it in a room. Did it on Zoom over oh, two it, hours. Did it on- they, they, they did do um, they did do a mammoth session in person for well a lot longer than twelve uh, a lot longer than two hours for uh, you know sorting out the transgender policy. But to ruin the game, they just spent two hours on a Zoom call and a nine minute video. Two hours, two hours on a Zoom call, a nine minute video, and a, and a vote which was unanimously. Yeah. Uh, now the vote is really really interesting. Because I have heard a lot of councillors rowing back when confronted by very angry members of their counties. Now, my councillor is not rowing back. He is absolutely certain what he has done is the right thing. 
He's well, he's going to be gone, I think. Uh, well, well, there's two of them. So we so in Lancashire, even better. So they uh, they're. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, 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 he risks being gone then, clear. but anyway. Well, yeah, no, both of them risk being gone. I think they both need to go. So uh, I had a really good chat with mine today, a guy called Ken Andrews. Very nice man. Um, took a lot of time to talk to me. It doesn't change my opinion. He has to go. We got uh, I got a letter from him, which is very nice, explaining his thought process. None of it even remotely moved me. And he also forwarded me the letter from Ross Tucker, um, you know, outlining the history of getting to that point. So, like a six-year his Patreon article. That's, um, that's what that was. Was that the Patreon article? I think so. Yeah, I think it might have been so, similar. A lot of it. Would yeah. Be. So, you know, they, they forward you this stuff as if you know this is novel information that we. Yeah, you know, I do. I do a podcast for God's sake. I talk about rug, uh, rugby all the time. Of course, I've read this. So that's that's what was sent to me. None of it's moved me. None of it addresses the simple question, which is. We want to play this game. Why can't we play this game? Oh, we just fo- followed the data. So um, there's a really good tweet from Alex Lowe, which said something along the lines of, uh, the council members were made to feel a little bit like COVID deniers if they didn't follow the science. And the way that the RFU put this video, the nine-minute video to Simon Kemp, from Simon Kemp, is kind of like a fait, a fait accompli. So, you know, this is what you have to do. Of course, they didn't have to do it. And they, uh, I've also heard of councilmen saying, well, can we just, you know, delay this until February whilst we have a look, a proper look at what you're considering? And then the vote was pushed through anyway. So uh, not all the councilmen and women need to go, I don't think. I think there is a small time, a small period, a small window now where they can reconsider and row back and campaign against it. On the other hand, I kind of hope it does go through now. I hope, I hope it does go through. Uh, and I hope that it allows us to take or carve part of the game away from the RFU uh, uh, and go uh, our own way. I want to come back to that, if I may, and just, just deal with the, the way the vote happened. So the fact that the, the councillors didn't know they were voting on this until they were on the call. That is right, yeah, remarkably. So you need to, you need, this is what you need to remember, okay, well, so let's let's go back. Let's go back to the fundamentals, Phil. I, unless you know differently, or JP, I understand it to be the case that rugby is a game. The sport is owned by all of the members yep. who participate, yep. or are members of constituent body clubs. The constituent body being the counties or the or the armed forces or whatever. The members of the clubs are the owners, if you like, quote unquote, of the sport. The representatives. The councillors are meant to be people who engage with the clubs and represent the views of those members to the governing body who are the custodians of the game Mm -hmm. there to direct it. Uh, So in other words, rugby is a sport which is bottom up. Yeah, well, yeah, completely. So if that is the case, to have a vote which none of the councillors knew about beforehand with this feeling that it was a fait accompli and that they would have felt like COVID deniers to go against it. Speak And then from what Phil said, and it goes along with what we've said, which is that the, the data on this, the justification and the how extreme the actual idea is, um, it, 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 it doesn't all add up to something which it's, it sounds like it's, this is a top-down decision. Yeah. And do you know what really enrages me? Okay, it is the... Uh, it's the attitude of people that are carrying water for the RFU. So uh, there was a well-known rugby personality who was speaking to, who was carrying water for the RFU, and like the way he spoke to me, uh, it's it's. How can I put it? Do you know, in today's society, if you disagree with something, uh, you're told right. That's just because you're not educated. If you if, if only you were more educated, and what educated means is until you. I, you, you you have to agree with us. We're going to we're going to indoctrinate you until you agree. So there's a line at the moment going around about the communication of the report and the votes, and they and it seems to be for some of these councilmen, they think their number one crime, rather than trashing the sport, rather than betraying everyone, rather than all that, their number one crime was poor communication from the RFU, and it's not the case. If you take all the money out of my bank account, and 
you then proceed to tell me the only thing you've done wrong is communicate how you took that money out in a you know it ba- badly in a way that I wouldn't understand. It doesn't make it right, and it's the same sort of thing. They're saying if you just understand, if we just communicate, if you will come around to our way of thinking. And the councilman that I, that I spoke to, he could not get it through his head. Right, he could not get it through his head what I was saying, which is you have no support. All that they come back with is, that is your opinion. Right, so you're in this circular argument where you say, this has very little support. That is your opinion. I was like, no, it's not my opinion. It is the opinion of every single person I have spoke to. Have you heard anyone say that this is a good idea? Like, genuinely, anyone? I've heard I've heard some people appear to try and justify why it could end up uh, being a good thing, but I I wonder if there's other motives yeah. uh, behind that. Like, who are the advocates for this change? Because if Mike, Mike Bubbins, Mike, yeah, Mike, Mike Bubbins. <laughs> oh no, he's deleted all his tweets by the way oh, since a, the last podcast. What, a, what, what an absolute <laughs> coward! Um, so <laughs> okay, so if you're the RFU and you've got something to say and you think it might, might be unpopular, like you find friendly journalists and you make sure that somebody independent outside of that organization is putting forward your side of the argument in the most forceful way possible there isn't a single person there's not a single mainstream journalist of any notes no actually forget any note there's not a single single journalist no stephen jones has stephen jones supported it yeah of course he has he's a contrarian of course he has i read his article this morning about it was it was kind no it was kind of like he was he wasn't he wasn't going all in on it, but he was tacitly sort of saying that, oh, this could be a good thing. Don't be so hard on it. Well, do you know, with Stephen Jones, the guy, I've got a mixed opinion on him. On this, fair play. If he if he thinks that, that's his opinion, because uh, I'm willing to grant him that he's still in the game. Yeah. You know, he's still a DOR. Yeah. Fine. If, if he really thinks that, fine. Yeah, of course I he's don't. entitled to that. That is literally, right, the first DOR or first rugby administrator in a club that I have heard, who's not a council member, to support this. The first one. So what's remarkable about this is we can actually name the people. There's so few of them. We can name them. Josh Gardner is, is also up for it. Really? And when's the last time that he played a game of rugby? When's the last time he coached a game of rugby? When's the last time he's in his local rugby club? I mean, bless him. He does a nice podcast, right? But he's hardly relevant to the conversation. He has nothing to do with, well, with any aspect of rugby when it comes to playing it. More than welcome to his opinion as you know, as an outsider. Just, just irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. So we literally don't know any anyone in the main in the mainstream press who has supported this. And the councillors can't get their head around that. They, they think if only they explain their position better everyone will come around but, but this, is, this, this is the issue and this is where this is what frust- has frustrated me since our last podcast and I'll let Phil jump in at this point because you've been listening intently I'm sure but uh, it's not the RFU councillor's job to know the expert information and only make sure it gets filtered down to us their job is to represent the views of their members yes and so they have every, as far as I'm concerned, every county RFU councillor or every, every one of those RFU councillors who has clubs in their area that they are meant to be representing the views of has completely forgotten what their fundamental duty is in that role. So I wonder if we've got our wires crossed here a little bit. So what my council said to me is we are looking, again, it's a version of let's grow the game. And I'm starting to think like, maybe they're right if indeed the game you're talking about does not include the men's game. So say if you've got like four different sections of rugby women's rugby, age-grade rugby, I don't know, inclusive rugby, whatever that may be, and then finally men's men's rugby. Maybe they legitimately think that by making the game less risky, okay, you might increase the first three categories by 5%, but the you know, fourth category might decrease by 10%, but it's still growing the game. Just, just, just go back a bit. I don't know what you feel at this point, Phil, but I was just going just gonna to emphasise that point that their job is not to go to meetings and decide what they think. Mm. Their job is to represent. And there were some councillors, like you say, who've been saying, I did ask for this to be adjourned so we could, uh, um, to a later date, so that we could speak with our members and go back out to the clubs. 
but they still went and voted for it anyway. I, That's I, it. You'll never know till you're there and you're in that position. But I would like to think that if I were in that position, I would absolutely not put my vote vote on it. Whatever thumb screws and pressure got applied to me, because I'm like, well, no, because my job is to represent the views of my members, and I think yeah. I have a pretty good idea of what the members of my constituent body clubs would be thinking. Do you know what is quite healthy about this? Just let Phil jump in. Yeah, so I, I just finished with this point. The one thing which is quite healthy about this whole debate is it has really sort of clarified how rugby works for me. Like, so I never really knew. I kind of knew what the council do, and I kind of knew what the power of the clubs were, but now I actually know. And I think now people know who's responsible, who makes the decisions. That can only be a good thing for rugby going forward because it means the members will be able to influence the people that make, that make the decision. Whereas before we didn't have a clue, but now we do. So people listening to this will be able to say, right, let's get on to my councilman. And if there is a clause somewhere in your constitution, which invariably will be for votes of no confidence and whatnot, there you go. Start activating them now. So um, I'll be chatting to my club chairman, uh, tomorrow, seeing what we can do. I know of three or four unions who are doing it t- tomorrow, looking into ways to, to move their um, their councilmen. And I know another councilman, in fact, I know a lot of councilmen now. Uh, and also, I think Alex Lowe reported that, and I'm sorry if he didn't, maybe I got this from somewhere else, that there's quite a few, that, oh no, I did get it from somewhere else. It is not reported by Alex Lowe, explicitly not. Um there's like twenty odd councilmen that are thinking of like rowing this back. So, 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 so from from my perspective, um, I know far less about the the intricacies of the vote and indeed the machinations of the uh, votes of no confidence than you two do. But the the conversation just reminded me of um, another conversation I had uh, not that long ago with my brother, and you'll remember. Um, in the the dying days of the Liz Truss era, oh yes, um, her, her, the final vote um, that she had as PM, uh, where it all fall, fell apart for her. A couple of days later, I was having a, a beer with my brother, and one of the headlines on that final vote was um, "MP manhandled by Jacob Rees-Mogg to vote yes." to vote through the motion of the government and uh i don't think i don't think at the time i had a beer with my brother a couple of days later um that it was announced who that mp was and i i solemnly looked him in the eye and said rob if you were the mp manhandled by jacob (laughs) against your will i am i am never ever talking to you again (laughs) Unfortunately, it wasn't him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a stain on your record, wouldn't it? Um, so, so, do, do you reckon you'll have it all your own way against Rhysmog? I mean, I'm relatively confident that I would be able to yeah. handle Rhysmog with very, very few difficulties. Yeah. Which which MP do you reckon would give you the most, like the most difficulty? Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, Angela Rayner. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that's exactly I was like, I wouldn't fancy tangling with Rayner. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Starman would go down fairly easily. Yeah, he'd go down, no worries. Yeah. He, he... Rishi, you put Rishi in a bin. Oh, my yeah. word. No, Rishi would be shouting, not my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's a really small man, actually. Very small man. Yeah. I reckon Gordon Brown back in the, yeah, uh, actually, Gordon Brown back in the day would be hard. Yeah, I reckon he would be. Yeah, because uh, he's so Good dour chance. and Scottish and cold and miserable. Oh, and of course, John Prescott, dynamite oh. hands. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's actually been. I, I think this is a, a, in some respects, a refreshing place to be because people, individuals, are realizing. Yes, we talk about oh, you know, it's our sport. But they're realising, no, 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 it really is our sport. And much like you, JB, I've, I've, I've set wheels in motion at my club. Going, we need to start talking to members about this. Yep. And I want to know what the, what our constitution says. Yep. I just want to know the facts. And I will. And there's lots of members that I will, if need be, I will speak to that maybe I've never spoken to before. So I'll tell you another thing, which is amazing, is usually when something controversial crops up, um, people are very much fence sitters. Everyone is so ready to fight this everybody so i phoned up uh, and another thing which i think is really positive i mean it's a small positive but nevertheless because i want the views of the directors of rugby in my league well i've never spoke to half of them like you play against them don't you and maybe i have we've got some awesome guys as directors of rugby in the adm level seven like people that know their stuff inside out uh, have you i think you've played with this guy have you played with a guy called An- andy northy uh, yeah, so um, Axe was um, for about maybe three or four years at Sedgley. He was um, first team coach, first team head coach. Oh, was he? Tim Free did it for a few years. So um, he is, I'll, I'll get this slightly wrong, but he was Saints and Saints as a rugby player. He was he was a, a big, hard centre. He played for St. Helens Rugby League and um, Northampton Saints rugby uh... union. Well, yeah, and he came in. He came in in maybe two thousand and eight or nine as first team coach for Sedgley, um, and he he um, a couple of things. A couple of things he did for us or did for me. Um, one was um, he, uh, he used to write acts on our shoulders. <laughs> Why? Gen- genuinely, before before the game, it's a genuine thing. Before the game, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You get a black marker pen, yeah, and you'd, you'd write Axe. So his, his nickname, Andy Northey, his nickname was Axe. Uh, I, uh, um, ironically, probably because of his uh, low tackle height, chop tackles. Ah. Um, but I, I, I might be wrong on that. I don't actually know, but that, that was always my assumption. But he used to write acts on on um, <laughs> certainly the backs, um, shoulders before the game in black marker pen with an X right at like the apex of your shoulder. Yes. And that's, you, you imagine the the X is driving through the opposition and when, you, when you make a tackle. That's incredible. <laughs> that's absolutely so, incredible. So that's, that was, that's one thing. Um and I, I'll, I will never forget. So I, I, um, I blew my knee out. I did an MCL, uh, medial collateral ligament damage to my right knee playing at Preston Grasshoppers. This is a long time. It's in 2008, 2009. And I had about uh, maybe two months off of doing like strength and rehab. And the first grass session I did back, um, the first team had been hammered. Like we'd lost, say, four on the bounce, something like that. And Axe made us do a fitness session on the back pitches essentially back pitches are like this is mid-december back pitches are freezing cold you're on top of a hill totally exposed full of sand and it was um, we didn't know what we it was when we started it but it ended up being 26 26 number 200 meter sprints which is, <laughs> which is it's ludicrous but it's my first session back after having like major knee ligament and what's that in just what is that in kilometers 1.3 kilometers <laughs> or 1.35 kilometers is it no 1.2 kilometers no 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 hold on 200 no, meters times 26. 26 oh right yeah, no. so like five 5.5 over 5k oh my god 5K yeah. sprinting, <laughs> sprinting. <laughs> wow sprinting with like with like 30 seconds rest between them oh my goodness it's absolutely ridiculous That's brutal. Um, but 
Uh, Andy Northy was a, so he's he's a good rugby man and he's he's a good coach as well. Gotta say, mate, I had one of the most enjoyable rugby chats for thirty minutes with a guy I've never spoke to before. Driving home from North Wales, do any of these guys uh, know you from Adam when you spoke to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I play, I play for Talk H. No, no, I play for Talk H. Like the most dominant rugby force no, in the Northwest. They, yes, of course. Do they know your JB. Uh, some do, some don't. Yeah. Some do. I think. I think most of them probably do. Pretend they don't. Pretend they don't. Pretend they don't. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, broke down. Uh, he broke down elements of this law, which I've never even thought of. I mean, it's silly to think I didn't think of it. But like, you can't strip the ball. You know, you can't. Yeah, you know, yeah. What happens if you don't go to the ground? You just stand there, like trying to offload it like a basketball. That's what I was thinking with the under 15s. We've got a couple of like big units. It's like. Give give Elliot or Matthew the ball and just let them walk with their yeah. uh, with their uh, with their ball above their head. It's it's <laughs> absolutely it's crazy. It's it's crazy. So yeah, uh, brick all down. But this pattern of like how many good DORs we've got at level seven is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And once you start talking, you think yeah, this is this is this is gold. This is podcast gold. So um, yeah. There was that, and even the the league pres- even the league um, secretary is like, yeah, I think this is a great idea. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have a chat. As in, oh, you haven't explained what what you're oh, saying. Oh, sorry, a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why am I calling them? It's because I want to continue playing the you know the proper the proper laws of the game, and I believe that we can take we we can set up a league. No one so far has said no. The only person saying said no so far is the uh, is the councilman who thinks. We're nuts. Who's who's there to represent the views of the member clubs? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what, what what would you what would be your response if there was a different league set up? Well, you just can't do it. It's like, I bet I can. Why can't I not? <laughs> yeah, and like, well, what about insurance? I'll I'll buy some. You know, it's not it's not a difficult, is it? I mean, it's not as if rugby has not been sponsored by insurance companies since the dawn of time. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, and, it, and this. The, the product, you're asking them to insure the product that they are currently insuring. Yeah. <laughs> it's the rules that they're currently insuring. So, so in, in six months' time, they'll be insuring slightly different, but you're just asking them to insure what they're insuring now. I mean, I reckon they'd probably do it okay. for, for free if you got the sponsorship right. I mean, the premiership has been sponsored by Gallagher, Aviva, uh, Zurich, all big insurance firms. Um, CBE, I think CBE. Um, do Saracens, you know, insurers, uh, Boland or whatever it is, do sale. So insurers love rugby and people who work in insurance love rugby. The idea that the only thing stopping me is like this mystical insurance policy that only the RFU can write is absolutely farcical. And so, JB, are you suggesting you're going to be the new rugby league because obviously a breakaway was how rugby league was formed well, uh, 100 plus years ago. Well, I think the problem is, where do, where do you pitch this fight? Okay, so is the fight best being fought internally by turfing out um, council councilmen, making people resign? Or is it just taking part of the game and carving it off? I think it's the former because I think you're, there's an argument that you're doing the RFU's bidding if you carve it off because then they don't have to worry about the lower level of the game. Well, I mean, I would say the opposite, right? Hey, look, mm. you want to deal with the women's game. If, that, if that's your business, take it. It's all yours. If you want to deal with kids, take it. It's all yours. You know, an organisation just to deal with men's amateur rugby would be phenomenal. would be phenomenal. Mm. It would be phenomenal from like all, all different angles. So, for a start, why is rugby so rubbish at attracting sponsors? Well, it's rubbish because it doesn't know what it is. You know, it's never... They're going to the sponsors and like, oh, um, we've got female engagement, but you're not going to be more female than netball. Right? You're not going to be more... And uh, more attractive to the person wanting, a, a, say, uh, a, a foothold in the Asian market than, say, cricket. You're not going to have the crossover of the FA. So they're like these pale impressions of all these different things. It's just men's rugby. That, the, the commercial opportunities are vast because guess what? People love men's rugby and they love what men's rugby stands for. But now it's just this you know, bland mix. So no wonder it's dying. So when I spoke to the councilman, he's like, yeah, well, um, you know, we need to ensure participation. You know, numbers are dropping. But you have a look at the resource that the RFU give give you for writing your promotional material. There's two documents. One of them is how to write a flyer, basically, with inclusive language. What? You know, you've been pursuing this, um, this line of thinking now for 10 years, and the game is dropping. So maybe 
Uh, sorry, the numbers are falling. So maybe it's best hand it over to people that you know have new ideas. Uh, what are the sports that are growing recently? That's a great question. MMA. MMA, yeah. Who who aren't ashamed? If if anyone went to MMA and said, "Oh, I, I think you need to be careful of your uh, of, of of the safety," and the Dana White would would say he would stick a finger up and he'd go, uh, "Jog on." I'm I'm opening up uh, elite level slapping yes. contest instead. Quite incredible, isn't it? Which which for the people that want to take part in that as consenting adults, I can't even watch that. I've, I know I can't. It's, it's awful, but uh, it's awful. <laughs> but for the people that want to take part in that in consenting ad- as consenting adults or watch it, who am I to say you can't? Yeah. By the way, strongman not exactly unpopular. You know, it's like one of the sporting like rugby is an amazing game. The fact that we can't sell it. I mean, I always mock. Premiership Rugby, because they can't sell it. Just shows what clowns that they all are. So you know, if we d- did hive away men's rugby, it'd be phenomenally successful because it'd be run by people who are not compromised. It'd be, it'd be, it can't be that hard. It simply can't be that hard. Let's just deal so, with some... Oh, sorry, go on, Phil. I, I was going to ask, um, you might have addressed this on um, the midweek pod, but I, I'm actually interested. So I'm, I'm not entirely against this as a concept as in the the tackle below I, I think it would fail but i'd like a bit more data on whether it would be successful or fail um are, are you uh, just a question to you two are you out of principle would you like to see a, a limited range trial on this or do you just think this this just doesn't have enough legs like jb your Tim. your um, analogy which i do quite like is i don't need um on other things, admittedly, I don't need um, a study to show me the effects of the incoming tide on sandcastles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> are you in that? Are you in that camp? On, are you in Is that yours camp a short answer, Jamie? Or, yeah. But, would you like to think uh, see more on it? The short answer is no. I don't. Um, I've got plenty of evidence from a hundred years worth of playing amateur um, rugby. We know what it looks like. I've done it for 20 years. It's fine. Okay. So my answer to this is uh, I understand, and I think with with everything, um, and with rugby over the last 150 years of its its existence, the the risk profile of it and the risk tolerance of it is something I've got no problem with being re-examined, re-looked at. And to that end, I don't, I don't mind trials happening. One of the things I said on the midweek podcast is that this, they're saying this, they're describing this as a trial, but this is all but twenty-four teams um, in, yeah. in the whole. And like, lunch. Which, which is like, what's the control group exactly? Um, and you're just excluding the people who, by your own data and your own justification and just pure logic and common sense, are the people most affected by the very thing you're attempting to solve. So. Um, I think this is a dreadful way of doing it. I'm not against trials per se. Um, what, I, what I would point to, and, and, and some people try and straw man and they'll say, oh, as JB said, and I think actually I've got, I didn't really think of this. You've been saying this for a while, JB. We cannot let people use this Games Gone Soft Brigade quote. It's just used as a, as a blanket <laughs> yeah. term to silence people when actually, and and I think this is the first time when people have stopped using that phrase because it's because they're looking at how much resistance there is and going, whoops, you, you can't just try and call so, uh, one individual a name and have them be, be shut up because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these people who are perfectly reasonable, rational people who uh, do do care about the sport and care about the people involved in it. So I'm not so I'm not against trying things. I think this is a dreadful idea. Um, uh, that that would be my summary. The, 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 uh, but I would would just emphasise I'm not against change per se, and I coach an under fifteen team where all, all I will say is that basically a penalty in under 15s level is anything above um, nipple height. Basically, is it? yeah. So we, we we coach them since they were young when we've introduced them to tackling gradually. We've coached them to tackle low, and a high tackle is regarded as anything above like nipple height, and they get penalised for that in games. So it's already and I just think that as a trial first, which they tried in the championship and they could revisit, that would be something to retry again. It's just what I cannot get is that they've just leapt to this waste and below. Oh. And, and what I predict will happen, this is my prediction, yeah. hear me now, believe me later, they will somehow, without saying, yeah, we got that wrong and we went over the top and it was a bit too far, we're rowing back. They will not say that. What they'll say is, here's more evidence, here's some flesh on the bones. And what we mean when we say waste is that's where we'd like you to go and they'll end up basically saying it's nipple or below. Yeah, and it's also, you know, 
People say, oh, you can't use the thin end of the wedge argument. Well, I think you can. I absolutely think you can. Started with seatbelt tackle. You know, it's um, not dissimilar to you know, smoking, really, where it's just going to be outside. It's just not going to be in bars. And now we're looking at a smoke-free world. Uh, you know, so you know, always resist the first change would be my thing. These progressive-type policies never stop. Right, so it's going to start with the, start with the well, waste. It's, it's, going to... it's, this is why the, the sports like motorcycle, uh, the, the you know that what's what's the high speed motorcycle thing? The speedway. Speed. It's not speedway. That's the stuff around the. Oh, MotoGP. 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 Like people die. Yeah. In there and boxing and MMA and all the and um or UFC. These people, when anyone tries to come to them talking about safety, they, they get told to f off. Yeah. And, and so the conversation ends. Exactly right. Exactly so, right. so there is there is this mission creep. You, well, you've opened the door to these people, and they will not be satisfied until it's gone. What I don't understand really is if the RFU think this is going to be a wild success, like my councilman thinks it's going to be a wild success, and we're going to grow the game because people are going to come to it. Why don't they just let us have men's rugby? Just say, okay, well, actually, if you feel that um, the existing laws are just, why don't you just set them a new game? And presumably, all the players would just migrate over to that game and all the parents would send all their kids to that game I mean, just give people the choice it'd, it'd be fine um just whilst we're on um simon kemp right so this fella allegedly is well he's the chief medical officer for uh, the rfu and he sort of uh, allegedly kind of hovers around and he's the authority and being a doctor and whatnot being the chief medical officer no one is really there to interrogate the data that he puts out there so, do you remember there's, like, a a study not so long ago, and it said, like, players would like a non-contact version or one of the worries that people have is, you know, getting injured. Um, well, that survey was done. Let me just get this right. It was done on non-playing players. Does that make sense? So, sorry, players that don't play. Or, sorry, no, no. Non-players. That is that, that is yeah. the that is that is the best way to say it. Right? Non-players. People who don't play rugby. Yeah, people. And one. So they've taken when they say their general concern about injury as to must be concussions, right? When actually it's just general injury. So the idea that we just you know try and limit the concussions and people come flooding in is not right because people are not just worried about concussions. They're really worried about knees and hips and the amount of people I know in manual work said, so "Yeah, I can't." You know, or in a trade, I can't play rugby because I can't have a broken hand. Well, you'll hate you'll you'll understand, but you'll hate me for this. Is I swerved the vets game because I thought, oh, I, like the last time, I, I can't I can't lose two weeks of CrossFit. No, just no. for one game. Well, I only I, I I I do one with CrossFit. Just well, that's another thing which I found this week in in CrossFit. So when I go on Friday, I thought, what's the point? I've only got seven more games left. I only go to CrossFit to stay fit for rugby. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's, there's there's one Mark Evans who I know you're you're, you're a fan of JB huge fan. Um, he is looking after the Fiji Drua Super Rugby franchise. A, a great a great person yeah. to run a league. Yeah. In uh, in the UK, yeah. I just say he 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 mentioned something. I, he put a little tweet thread up which I really liked, and it reminded me of the the book. I don't know if you either of you have read it. The the coddling of the American mind by Jonathan Haidt. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Go on, Phil. So so. I- I've not read the book, but I've read the article that the book was based on. From the article is from about 2012 or 2014, something like that. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So Mark Evans said, uh, and he ref- he referenced he he referenced in some other messages the coddling of the American mind. This book, which I think this is absolutely on the money. He said, "I played twenty. Uh, I played for twenty years from the age of ten. From the start, even at a young age, I loved the game, but realised it had an element of risk. It was physical. It could be a bit scary." You got hurt at times, but I always enjoyed activities where there was some physical challenge, so I willingly accepted the risks. As I got older, I witnessed some serious injuries and realised it might have been me, but it didn't, didn't stop me playing, or boxing, or skiing. I worry we're seeking to eliminate risk in many areas of life. All the research shows we are destroying the resilience of children with our obsession for constant supervision of them. Inform people of the risks they run, but unless they're putting others at risk, let them make their own decisions. Yes, introduce children to the game gradually, but don't overreact when it comes to adults. Those of us who play or played the game want an element of risk. We knew and know there's a small chance of a catastrophic injury in the short run or long-term damage. By all means, make adjustments, but don't seek total eradication of risk. It's one of the reasons we love or loved it. 
Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Nailed He's, it. Yeah, there's nothing more to say on that than that, really. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that point. And it, it does remind me, I'm, I'm sure it is from the Coddling of the American Mind, the article, which is like talking about that, the the ever-reducing amount of risk that children are allowed to take. Yeah. And there's this fascinating, I'm sure it's from that, this fascinating um, diagram of concentric circles. Oh, of showing, how far children are allowed to go from their parents on their own, yes. Yeah. Precise, precisely that, and like our grandparents' generation could go 10 miles from your own home, and our parents' generation could go, uh, say, five miles from your parents' home, and then our generation were allowed to go, say, two miles from your parents' home, and our children now are not allowed to cross the street. <laughs> with, um, And it's, it is exactly that. It's exactly that principle. If you don't trust people, you will end up um, constraining them and making them weaker well, in the long term. I think I think many of the people who are the activist types who be going after this are the, the consequence of this. Um, yes, I think I think that is, and it, it, this is not. And if you link this to the rugby, um, that reason why children aren't allowed to go to the park on their own, or whatever it isn't because of actual increase in risk but because of an increase in the perceived risk yeah exactly right mate. and sa- right, yeah. safetyism just exploded around the same time as the iphone <sighs> is one of the findings jonathan height uh, makes all the graphs just spike when the iphone and social media came in so um, and also naked buses um became a lot more risky if you knew there's a camera phone on board Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. So you know, yeah. it's, it's like this: this pouring bottles of champagne on the floor after a good bath win yeah. became riskier. Look, I mean, there's you know, there's a um, a dual consequence here not 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 just not just kids and uh, and risk, but also naked buses and risk. But but just just to, just to wrap it up, there's, there's, <clears> I was chatting to Dougie of the Mall Over podcast uh, this weekend. He was working at the Northampton game. How is Doug? He's he's very well. Good. He he was uh, he was a bit like you, a little bit bereft, mm. a little bit. Um, What's the point? <laughs> kind yeah. of. Uh, and and um, what's the word? Uh, uh, where you're? Oh, I can't. It begins with an A. Apathetic. Yeah. That's the word. He's apathetic. Anyway, he said, and I just think this is it, multiply this by every club, at every corner of the land. He says he plays in a vets team once a month at Ickenham Rugby Club, mm. small club. That vets team on the nights they play once a month. There'll be 40 guys in their 30s and 40s, some even in their early 50s, who turn up to that club and they stay there the whole Friday night, get properly on it, and that night in that rugby club will keep the club afloat and keep it going. And it happens once a month. He, that, that game will not happen next year if these laws go through. Mm, yeah. and, you, and not just what that will do to Ickenham Rugby Club, and many, many other rugby clubs like it. What does that do to the sense of purpose, meaning, fulfilment, enjoyment oh, in, yeah. in the lives of those 40 men? Completely agree. Once a month. And this <clears throat> this is the stuff. You can have all the tables and graphs and and all the rest of it. It's it, the, the, the human cost and the human reality and the, it, it is, is what is at stake. Yeah. One last point which i forgot to mention earlier on but i think it's really interesting there is a lot of pressure on the public schools to stop playing contact rugby loads and they're going to buckle because the public school sector is very susceptible to criticism i think um they hate the spotlight being on them and there's like a group of 20 of them and they've gone to the rfu and said look we're on the verge now of stopping this completely now again this is a lot to do with the work of optic charlatans like Alison Pollock in, in, inciting um, the UN human rights law and whatnot. Um, but it has worked. It has worked. And they've fed this back to the RFU. And this is one of the other reasons that the RFU, I think, are keen to do it, because it fits in very well with their private school network. You know, so you've got the most privileged people talking to the other set of most privileged people dictating what you can do on your do, do on your on your Saturday but just to go back and I think probably Phil this is where you come in on that is that to go back to what you said at the very start is we don't know if this is going to achieve the things that they say it's going to achieve because the evidence for that is just not there yeah um, completely agree I mean, 
Rostock, Rostock is smarter than I am and more into the detail, and he seems very positive about it. But I've just not seen the evidence, and I think I think I would be very happy to see more trials. Um, but I would I would much prefer trials of the when we're talking about the red amber green spectrum, the traffic light system. Why are we not doing trials on the green spectrum? Why, why, yeah. why are we doing trials on on the amber situation and not not the green well, position? Yeah, I mean, my... but, but rather than just dictating just dictating this to everyone, it should be a um, small considered view of various different situations and seeing if they have positive or negative outcomes over, over a long, much longer time horizon. Like the the study which they're citing yeah, hasn't yeah. even been published. Uh, and also, yeah, it's everything outside the top two divisions. Which now, in in the pharmaceutical industry, there's a that, that one of the ethics things they look at is if you in the trial determine that there is an a- absolute benefit of what you're trialing, it is unethical to keep the control group from that treatment. Uh, when they blew mm. up, when they blew up the uh, COVID, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's not get into that. That's what, that's what yeah, yeah. But so, so that that's the ethics. And but uh, just to, just to return to this, there in that vets game that happens at Ickenham Rugby Club, I'm sorry, there is not huge force concussions going on at the at the rate that there is at the elite level of the game. No, there's not. Equally, Mark Evans also no. is is keen to point out that it's the sub concussive repeated events that happen in training which appears to be have yeah. more of a long-term impact according to the data I than, think... than in, in, in individual traumas it sounded like phil was just going to jump in then i'm I just going to say if, if you're forcing uh 40 year old men to have to bend at the waist waist for other 40 year old men who are accelerating towards them uh, and they're not used to doing it that is going to lead to far more concussions or, or back in, or back injuries yeah, that's that seems far far more risky than everyone doing what they've done all of their lives. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? it yeah, is, but so, so so just to complete the point on the that that farmer um, parallel is to to have a trial going on which only excludes the people at most danger of the thing you're claiming you're mm. trying to solve seems just completely backward. And as JB said on the midweek podcast, if you wanted to, it wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but if you wanted to bring this in, bring it in in the premiership yeah. and leave everyone else alone because mm. it's not a problem. Look, look, we, yeah, we need to, yeah, we need to stick to our, our talking points, which are the important ones. A, it's not a problem. B, nobody asked for it. C, we want to play the game as it is. Thank you very much. That's all that matters. That's all mm-hmm. that matters. What the pros do is completely up to them. And they've always set the precedence that you know the pros are treated differently. They've got concussion monitoring, this, that, and the other. Great. That should continue. We need as much research on that as possible. As much action, to be fair, on that side of the game as possible. This side, no. No, and if yeah. play rugby, um, let's... By all means, research ideas and and bring them in gradually, slowly, uh, and over a long time horizon. In the meantime, if you're not happy with the risk safety element, and Phil and I don't play nearly as much as we used to, whereas you play most weekends, JB. That's that's because Phil and I have taken that risk safety profile at our stage of life. Yes, that's a great point. We we have decided, whereas before, you couldn't have stopped me from playing. And by the way, can I just say... I might be playing in the summer as as well this year. Rugby league. We're, Rugby league. we're thinking of well, I say thinking. It was almost inevitable. I think of launching a Didsbury Talk H Rugby League team, which would awesome. be awesome because we've already got Chev- Chevron kits. So, I'm, so I, solved. I might get I might get involved in the lower level if you have a second team or something. I, well, I, I, the problem is I have no idea how to coach for league, how to play. I mean, I played a few games, but like, I I don't know the first thing about it. But, but I'm, I'm going to do it. But what I was going to say is, so Phil and I have assessed our risk profile. We play maybe a Vets game every now and again uh, because that's because we decided actually it's not right for us where we are. If you decide that it's not right for you, fine, don't play. Or go and play touch midweek. There's opportunities to do that. Um, don't stop the thousands of people who are quite happy to, as adults, and you, we could almost, if they treated this as children, under-18s cannot make an informed decision for themselves, which is why we don't let them have alcohol and things like that uh, legally, um, then that would be very different. So just the, the fact there are adults trying to dictate what other adults should or shouldn't be allowed to do, I just, I, I, well, I can't fathom. Yeah, obviously I'm very upset, but I tell you what excites me, just the idea of having an organisation that 
just manages men's rugby and markets it markets it to men with the values that men appreciate to get people back into the game it'd be wildly successful and it's wild a wildly exciting co- concept too rather than this sort of weak thing which is rugby's for everyone uh, you know it's a, a mass partition uh, participation game grassroots well, this grassroots that well, but, but we used just to a we, men's we used to say that about rugby like we, we used to and, and that's what I mean when you say want to say rugby's for everyone no 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 it absolutely is it's for anyone that comes up will get a welcome at their local rugby yep. club size shape yeah, there's a place for you on on a rugby field because of the type of sport it is, the physical element of yeah. it, that the that nature of it creates the opportunity for all sorts of different people. However, that said, there are some people who will assess the the risk safety and say, actually, yeah, but that's not for me, I mean, and that's you, okay. I mean, it stands to reason, right, that men and women play the play sport for different reasons, different motivators. They still might end up playing the same sport. Um, but different motivators. Now, if they've got different motivators, maybe those sports should start to diverge a bit. I think the women's game would benefit hugely from divergence from from the men's game, and likewise, the men's game would benefit hugely from the, from the divergence from what rugby is now, because that's why it was successful for for hundred years. So, even though it's really tough times, and you feel really negative when this sort of stuff comes out, the idea that someone might do that is Really exciting. Really exciting. Oh, can I tell you a story about Conor O'Shea? Relevant to this or for the for the rugby pod? For the rugby-based podcast we're going to do? Which one would it go? I want to tell you a story about Conor O'Shea doing an equity, diversity and inclusion video. I'll save it for the next pod. That is brilliant. Well, is it, well is, is, it sounds like off-field stuff. Would it be better now? Uh, do you know what? I'll put it on a, pa- a Patreon pod. Oh, I love it is, that. It's one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. Okay. Patreon.com forward slash egg chasers for that. Um, rugby podcast on Twitter. He's at Jay Beardmore. <laughs> I barely post, but I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking. And we are wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, check out the other episode. Well, we'll actually talk, probably not for as long, but we'll talk about some rugby. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.